Howdy from Austin, Texas, and welcome back to the Shit You Don't Learn in School podcast. This is Calvin Rosser, and my belly is full of brisket. Howdy, this is Steph Smith. So Steph, today we're going to talk about how to deal with self-doubt and imposter syndrome. All right. So I just want to kick it off. I haven't thought through this too much, but of late, I've been hanging out with some people who are very successful. I was in Florida with some people I know, and then now in Texas. And there were a couple of situations where I honestly started to feel bad about myself because I just left my job and I'm on like a really uncertain path. And I'm hanging out with all these wildly ambitious and successful people. And I'm sitting there talking about what I'm doing. Previously, when I had a job, I could anchor on, oh, I'm this at that company. And it was easy to feel okay in social situations. But even last night, I was talking to some new people. And I just found myself being like, man, am I like a loser for going off and trying to build something on my own? I don't think anyone thought that, but it just crossed my mind. So I wanted to open up with that story and just see if you had any thoughts about what I'll call self-doubt. And I think this can also manifest as the imposter syndrome at work or in other projects. Yeah, absolutely. I think the first thing that comes to mind for me is the idea that we often are our worst critics. So even like you said, you meet these people and when you're telling them what you do or what you're not doing anymore, you're like, oh man, they must think I'm such a loser. And like, when have you ever met someone and thought that, right? Like when have you ever met someone and heard what they do and you think, oh man, what a loser. I personally haven't. I'm sure there's people who think that way. But what I mean by that is you wouldn't say that about someone else, but you would say that about yourself to some degree. And I think that's worth acknowledging. It's just, again, we're sometimes the harshest towards ourselves. Yeah, I hear you on that. I think one of the things I've always liked to do is hang out with people who are smarter than me and ambitious. And I've always wanted to participate in that way as well. And so I have just a lot of what turns out to be successful friends. So when I'm not doing something that is really cool, it's just sometimes hard to talk about that. So it's not really about being a loser. It's just more, am I living up to my potential or am I taking myself off a course just because I'm lazy or something like that? Those are good questions, but what's important to keep in mind is that if you are an ambitious person, you should be setting ambitious goals. And part of setting ambitious goals is that you're going to fail part of the time. And even if you're not failing per se right now, you have a goal that is ahead of you, right? Like you shouldn't always be happy with exactly where you are. And maybe some people might think that's a bad attitude, but I think really, if you want to continue advancing in your life, it's good to have a level of maybe self-doubt isn't the right way to think about it, but something that is pushing you saying, Hey, I want to do more. I want to be more successful. And of course there needs to be a balance there. So you're not continuously just chasing something and never happy with where you are. But I think it can be a healthy dynamic. So I think the Buddhists would disagree with you, but we'll save that for (laughs) another time. What you're talking about, I think, is actually something that's helped make me successful and a lot of people successful in different paths, which is almost like being an insecure overachiever. You're always striving for more despite having achieved like a good amount relative to what you could achieve in the world. And I think that can be a really interesting motivating force. It can also be a toxic one in some ways if you're just always pushing for more and you're never happy in your current circumstances. To be clear, I actually feel really good about the path I'm on. And I'm sure some people even think it's cool in certain ways. I just wanted to talk about this a little bit because I also want to say that I'm not immune to this self-doubt and imposter syndrome, despite feeling relatively confident about what I'm doing. And it was just interesting to see it in a social dynamic, mostly because I haven't spent the last a year hanging out with too many people. And so now I'm in these circumstances where there's more people around and I'm getting used to the idea again of meeting new people and talking about what you do and trying to build credibility and rapport. I think just careers are such a big part of our identity that when you don't have something too anchored there, it can be hard to feel grounded in those conversations. 
I think one important aspect of competition is that it can be really dangerous if your competition is always with other people, right? So if you're comparing yourself to others, you don't actually know what their goals are, what they're aiming for, what they actually input to get their outputs. What I find has been a more healthy mentality is just always challenging yourself, right? So never quite being happy with where you are or where you want to get to, but always advancing in that way relative to, again, your previous self, not necessarily someone else. I, I like that because I've, I always think life is a competition against yourself. And it's when we talked about this in the comparing yourself with others episode, but when you start comparing yourself to others, you stray away from what really matters, which is the direction that you're moving in. Absolutely. I want to go back to this idea of imposter syndrome because it's something that I get asked a lot actually these days, especially now that I've built a little bit of a following. People ask, do you ever get hit with imposter syndrome? And the answer is all the time. And really anyone who says, yeah, I never feel like an imposter is lying. And I want to share three things that personally have helped me push through imposter syndrome when it arises. Before you dive in, just what do you mean by imposter syndrome? It also sounds like you did your homework for this conversation. I don't know what the official definition is, but I think it's just this idea where you look around you and you feel like everyone knows what they're doing. You feel like an imposter. You feel like you maybe don't know what you're doing and again, that other people do. So that's my personal definition. And I think that mindset can be really limiting because if you really think other people know what they're doing and you don't, that is the type of emotion that will stop you from actually doing things, especially things that you want to do. So the three things that have helped me are one, the realization that no one knows what they're doing and tied to this, what I already said is the idea that everyone feels like an imposter. This point for me, I think is the most significant one and one that I realized luckily earlier on in my life. And it was really when I graduated university and I went off to my first job, it was in management consulting. And I was consulting with some of these VPs from large fortune 500 companies. I remember going into these meetings and I just realized it's not that these people weren't smart or talented or shouldn't have been in that room, but rather they also were just figuring things out. They would ask me questions. What do you think we should do here? And I was like, why are they asking me questions? These people are in their 40s or 50s and have decades of really impressive experience. And they were asking me what I thought. I just remember realizing something that I hadn't realized before that, where before I got into the workforce, I was like, oh, wow, I am totally a noob and I'm going to get in here and I'm going to look like an idiot for a long time. And what I realized is, again, just everyone was figuring things out. That was really influential for me. And I've continuously seen this in other jobs that I've been a part of, even people who, again, are extremely successful or rich or CEOs of companies. I just continuously see this. And I don't know if you've seen the same, but that has been really reassuring the idea that Actually, no one really truly knows what they're doing. And how do you remind yourself of this when you start to fall into imposter syndrome? I think what's been helpful for me is remembering that every time you see someone, and in particular, if you see them really skilled at one particular thing, is that they, at some point in time, actually were not skilled in the thing. They knew nothing about that thing, right? When you're born, you're not born as an incredible copywriter or a 10x developer. You are born as a baby who hasn't learned anything about the world. And it's really helpful to just imagine things as a spectrum for me to say, hey, there's this learning curve and they just happen to be further up the learning curve. If I want to be just as good as them, I can be if I put in the work. I see. So you're a believer in the tabula rasa philosophy, which is basically that we're born as blank slates and build from there. I don't want to get into like nurture versus nature. And maybe people are born more set up to really succeed in certain ways. But what I do think is just remember that people who have particular skills today, like they had to start from basically nothing. They may more intuitively pick something up, but it's not like they were born with this skill of, again, like copywriting or development or public speaking. Like they learned that over time. Yeah, something that's also helped me here that's related to this is realizing that sometimes when someone is really good at one domain, you still probably wouldn't trade lives with them because they may not be good at other things that you're good at. And so I always think that I don't know if this is related to imposter syndrome or the comparing yourself to others, but I always know that 
nearly all cases, I don't want to trade my life for someone else's because everyone has problems that you don't know about and strengths and weaknesses. So they can excel in one area, but not the other. And we're all just flawed in so many different ways. And that's sometimes you don't see when you're just seeing the surface of someone's achievements or watching them perform in one domain. Exactly. So what's your second strategy? The second one is more of a realization of just noting that we are in a digital world and the digital world skews to show everyone architected at their absolute best. We all know this with like people on Instagram, they're just showing like when they're at a beautiful brunch or when they're flying to Bali. But it's also true just in what in terms of what people are tweeting about, what projects they share, like what their job title is. They share their job title, but they don't necessarily share like what they do for eight hours throughout the day. So it's just important to know that people only share their nines and tens and they don't share their twos or threes. And I think realizing that is just helpful to, again, recognize that everyone who maybe looks super put together may not actually be as put together as you think. And really just the online world never gives an accurate representation of people's happiness or their success. Yeah, I think some of the content that hits the deepest is actually when people share their twos or threes. I know when I write articles, it's either while I'm going through something or after I've gone through something and learned something about that. And I try to, you know, highlight that I started in this dark place or I started from this place of not understanding. And here's what I did to move up that ladder just to show everyone that you can do that. And we're all just learning and doing our best. Exactly. The third thing is just the idea that as you get stuck in imposter syndrome, you can get really fixated on what other people are doing or what you could do or what you could have done. But what I think is really helpful is just to do, to stop thinking about things so much and just get into the habit every time I get stuck in this rut to just go and do something like write an article, go for a run, make progress to whatever goal I have. And even if it's really, really minuscule, I, I just try to remind myself one step in front of the other, just keep moving and you'll eventually get to where you want to be. And I think, again, when we get stuck in imposter syndrome, we just dwell too much. We just think too much. We get too stuck in our thoughts and compare ourselves to others. And one of the really helpful ways I found to just get out of that is just to start doing things. And once you're doing things, you start to just, even if it's slowly, close the gap between where you are and where you want to be, which really, we've talked about this before, is often a representation of how you feel in emotions like jealousy. Because when you're jealous of someone else, you're not necessarily always jealous of what they have, but perhaps what you want and them being closer to what you want than where you actually are. I love that. I didn't think through strategies beforehand, but that's actually one of mine. I think of it as progress is motivating. And so if I'm ever overwhelmed or feeling down on myself, I try to just get really clear on some actionable things I can do in the short term. And usually that leads to enough progress where I'm no longer paralyzed and I'm just focused on moving in some direction. And I often find that you can actually get a surprising amount done and a surprising amount of good feelings from getting that stuff done in a very short period of time if you actually just sit down and focus. And as you said, get the hell out of your head and just get into the real world and, and start doing things. Yeah, it relates to one of the other points, which really is, I feel like as a creator, especially, but really in life, you're at war with yourself most of the time. Like you feel like you're at war with other people, but the biggest critic, as we talked about at the beginning, is often yourself. And you just have to manage your psychology most of the time. And I think one of the best ways of managing your psychology is just doing things so you feel like you're in motion. I try not to be at war with anyone, but <laughs> I feel you. I love the competitive streak. I mean, it's true though. We really can be hard on ourselves and maybe war isn't the right term for that. But I do think that often you are battling yourself. You're battling your own psychology. Yeah, hundred percent. I'm for sure my biggest critic. I mentioned this in our comparing yourself to others episode. I don't struggle too much with that in particular, but I definitely struggle with navigating my own psychology and the 
catastrophizing that I do and some of the self-doubt that comes in. And it's interesting, we can end soon, but I felt this before when I left a, a job and went into a really uncertain path where I just wanted to create and give back and figure out the next step of my life. And it ended up getting a lot worse than say what I'm feeling now, but I actually feel quite good on this path, partially because this is maybe another strategy. I'm pretty clear on my goals in the next three months and I feel really good about them. I feel like they're ambitious, but doable. And they're at least moving me in the direction I want to go. And some of that clarity just comes from having tried so many things and knowing where I want to put my energy. And so I'm not sure what the outcome will be or what I'll be telling people six months from now, but I am pretty sure that I'm focused on the right things for me at this moment. And that gives me a little bit of peace here and prevents any sort of downward cascading spiral. So just to summarize that, I would say creating a strategy that's clear and built on what you actually want to do and maybe not what other people expect you to do is also a good way for me to feel a little bit more grounded when I'm in a really ambiguous path. I think that's great. I want to end the episode off by sharing a quote. It actually happens to be my favorite quote ever from Steve Jobs. And it's all about the idea that, again, everyone's a little bit of an imposter or rather the whole world was made up by people just like you. So if it's okay, I will read it out loud. And it goes like this. When you grow up, you tend to get told the world is the way it is. And your life is just to live your life inside the world. Try not to bash into the walls too much. Try to have a nice family, have fun, save a little money. That's a very limited life. Life can be much broader when you discover one simple fact. Everything around you that you call life was made up by people that were no smarter than you. And you can change it. You can influence it. You can build your own things that other people can use. Once you learn that, you'll never be the same again. So it's a pretty simple quote, but I think it's really powerful to realize that all of the crazy stuff, like wherever you are, just look around your room, look at the TVs, look at the railroads, look at the airplanes that fly over you. All of that was made by other people who at one point knew nothing. They were born into this world and they learned these skills and built incredible things. And I think it's a really empowering idea to realize that, yeah, maybe you are an imposter in some ways, but everyone at points in their lives feels like an imposter. And I think if you can just realize the immense opportunity that you can build things in this world and they're a lot more accessible than you think, I think that's pretty powerful. Yeah. I think one cool idea for an episode we could talk about is how you actually internalize that because I think there's a lot of depth to that. But if you haven't felt that yet, it's actually quite hard. I've learned it in some ways from when you brush shoulders with people who you think are wildly successful, you realize they're a lot like you in different ways and that they just work hard and maybe they're focused and maybe they are more talented in some domains. But I think the the success that you see from other people is much more accessible than you would think if you just focus and work hard and and do the things that you enjoy. I couldn't agree more. And from my experience, it has been really incredible to really look up to people and then meet them. And then, like you said, see that they're not so different to you. And then as you start to work on your own things, you just get these small wins. And you just, again, you start to make movement and you're like, oh my God, I'm in a place that I never thought I would be. And I think you're right that we maybe could do an entire episode on that. But I think once you just actually start doing things that you never thought you'd do, it's almost like a spiral effect that you're like, oh my God, now I'm here and now I'm here. And wow, I never thought I would be able to accomplish this. So in the spirit of the competition that you like to see the world as, I'm going to end with another quote that I think is slightly better than the jobs one. And that aligns with how I think about this. It's from Richard Feynman, who is a Nobel Prize winning physicist. He has an awesome book and was just a really cool guy. He said, nobody ever figures out what life is all about and it doesn't matter. Explore the world. Nearly everything is really interesting if you go into it deeply enough. So I love that because I'm in an exploratory phase. And so someone like Feynman, who was very good at physics, was actually very curious about almost everything in the world. And that was his superpower. So that's what I'm doing right now is undertaking a little period of curiosity and focus in certain domains, but trying to have fun along the way and not taking this whole thing too seriously. 
in the competitive spirit of this podcast, I'm going to challenge you with a final quote, which is from W.E.B. Dubois. And he basically says he was one of you and yet he became Abraham Lincoln. So I think there's tons of quotes that kind of help people think through some of these ideas. And it doesn't matter really which one, but I think these are some pretty powerful ideas. All right, Steph, you won this battle and I think that's okay. I'm feeling a little bit better and excited to take on the rest of this day. Shall we end it there? Yeah, I think so. This was the Shit You Don't Learn in School podcast. You can find me on Twitter at StephSmithIO. And you can find me at Calvin underscore Rosser on Twitter. All right. Thanks for listening. Until next time.